welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz. I am your host, Danny Katz. I am an author, journalist, and a quantum languaging coach and consultant. What that means is that I teach people how language programs consciousness, how language programs reality at large, and how to transform reality and evolve our consciousness with language. I've also been known to cultivate and share an opinion or two or 12 about culture and consciousness and how they are evolving, devolving, and being manipulated by the powers that were. Here at Word Up, we are devoted to fostering critical thinking while supporting you in becoming your most authentic, empowered, liberated, realized, amazing version of yourself. Our every show aims to expand your consciousness, raise your frequency, sharpen your critical thinking skills, and make you giggle. (laughs) And think. Given the radical uptick in censorship over the past few years, combined with the complete co-opting slash decimation of my own personal industry, journalism, I started Word Up to have a free speech-friendly platform in which to engage exploratory, solutions-based conversations with visionaries, mystics, original thinkers, and rebel badasses who are helping to make the world more wonderful. The first half of my interviews run between 30 to 90 minutes and are always posted here for free public listening. The second halves are reserved for paid supporters on my Patreon and my Locals platforms, where for as little as $5 a month, you can access all of my second half conversations along with oodles of other bonus content and opportunities to drop in with me, to drop in with our High Vibe tribe, and lots of other awesome things. In addition to interviews, Word Up also features quantum languaging upgrades, planetary service announcements, and propaganda analysis, which I call Spot the Propaganda. Thank you so much for tuning in and for sharing your sacred attention with me and our high vibe tribe of change makers. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you can stay abreast of our every episode. Thank you for also clicking the like button, for sharing far and wide, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As well, if you are gleaning any value whatsoever from these shows, consider supporting me on Locals and or Patreon. And as you are wanting to learn more about my quantum languaging coaching and consulting services or nab copies of my books, find me on dannycats.com as well as on quantumlanguaging.com. Okay, I think that's it for our housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. So good. I'm so happy that we get to do this. I feel like we met a million lifetimes ago and we're just like having this incredible journey where we're really just sort of tracking with each other, which is always so fun to see. So I'm thrilled to be here with you and be able to have this conversation. Thank you so much. I know because we've been in touch behind the scenes for a while now. And then you mentioned the podcast and you mentioned Magdalene and everything in my body was like, yeah, that's what I want to talk about the most. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah, So tell us about the new book. Tell us about the whole Magdalene frequency fractal that you're speaking to. Yeah. And I love that because I I had set the intention that I would be connected with all the Magdalene's, you know, that are aligned for me to connect with. And then you and I were talking about, I think we were just catching up and then it just came out sort of like synchronistically. And I do want to share like how we met you and I, I like saw you in a, we were on a virtual event and I saw your comments and I was like, I have to know this woman. (laughs) She's amazing. (laughs) And I was right. I so appreciate that because that was such a mortifying moment. We're talking about the Rama thing, right? Yeah, yeah. 
It was so weird. So just to catch the the people up to speed, um, Guru Jagat had invited me to present at the Rama Business School. We were in hard lockdown. The world had gone completely mad. There was this chat behind the scenes with a technology that I didn't quite understand. And so Hari Jiawan was talking about the dangers of the virus and this and that. And I was in the chat being like, this is programming, like this is not helping. So I was a squeaky wheel in the chat and I I was not super responsible with how I was speaking in the chat. I take responsibility and I didn't understand the text. So I would type something waiting to edit it and then it would go, everything kept going through and it was like, no, it's getting worse. And then Guru Jagat came in the chat and was like, no, you will not speak negatively about my teacher. And it got like tense and it was embarrassing. and. So So I'm so glad that that brought us together when for me, it was like kind of a humiliation. (laughs) I felt like you handled it with such grace because what you were saying, I think we were all thinking, I was shocked that he was going off about the dangers of the virus. What? Like, cause Guru Jagat knows that's not real. Like we know it's not real. (laughs) Like what's going on? So I love that you spoke to it and I, I understood where she was kind of coming from, but it immediately attracted me to you and your work and wanting to know more about what you were doing because you have tremendous courage, like obviously your podcast, everything you do, but I saw it even in that, you know, instance with the chat. And I, I'm surprised to hear you were mortified or felt humiliated because I thought you handled it with so much grace. And I was like, oh, you know, I remember sending you a message like, girl, I was feeling you during that, like you were not alone. Um, So I love that that's sort of like our story of how we met and that Guru Jagat really brought us together. Yeah, it's super beautiful. And it's, I mean, for me, it's a lesson because I have such ambivalence around my big mouth. Like it's just, I can't not speak for truth. And I'm like kind of a sensitive, delicate flower. So on the flip side of me making a mess, I'll sometimes question myself and Guru Jagat came down so hard. And what I realized, like that was such a, I learned so much in that exchange because she was like, I totally agree with you, but I'm gonna defend my teacher no matter what. And that helped me realize like, oh, this is a hierarchical structure and my soul doesn't do hierarchy. It cannot do hierarchy. And it helped me understand why I've been fired from every job, why I got kicked out of junior high, why I could always get kicked out of gymnastics because I never had the understanding of like, you can't say this thing because of positioning and status. So for like that really helped me understand. And I was really grateful because Guru Jagat and I, like we totally worked it out behind the scenes just before she passed, which was great. But I'm so glad that it it brought you to me because you've been such a great um, like encourager and cheerleader for me behind the scenes for the past couple of years. Yeah, I love to see it. And as a fellow big mouther who <laughs> cannot like hold back just because the authorities don't like it, it just it makes my heart so happy to see. And and I could tell that's where Guru Jagat was coming from. And I think that, you know, you were primed for the Aquarian age because we cannot bow to hierarchy. It it doesn't, it doesn't work. And I think that was obviously something she was working through. And it was beautiful to witness her um, even in that moment, because I had never seen her get fierce like that. I was like, because she came at you hard. And I was like, whoa. Um, even though again, I understood both your positions, I was shocked by her response. Yeah, I was shocked as well. And it was also early days of this whole thing, you know, just like kind of finding our footing. Um, But yeah, it felt really good to have your support then Mm -hmm. as it does now. So I believe that Guru Jagat is affiliated with the Magdalene energies. So of course, I also feel that you are as well. So it's just so beautiful that this is all coming together. Mary Magdalene started coming to me back in 2013. I had like this, you know, ecstatic spiritual experience and meditation and her and Yeshua came to me along with five other or four other guides. And I, I was brand new to the whole scene of like spirit guides and they're talking to me and like, they're giving me guidance and it has unfolded over the years. And then in 2020, when, you know, we really stepped into this shift in paradigm of moving from the hierarchical structures to the heterarchical structures, to the Aquarian model, 
Mary Magdalene came to me one morning when I woke up and said, it's me now, chick. I'm leading the way. And she said, I'm going to be guiding you and you'll be channeling some of my messages. And it really changed so much for me because the connection for me, at least with Mary Magdalene is linked to the goddess. And what is the goddess? It is the embodiment of the human spirit, like fully expressed through the human form, excuse me, the spirit into the form. And so she began working with me on this book, um, Love Letters from Mary Magdalene, where she literally gave me 22 love letters from her to us to tell us. So, okay, that was my reaction, Danny. I was like, this is so beautiful. This is going to be so, I don't know, butterflies and flowers and unicorns. And she literally comes through in this book and like just blows up any story that, that people had about who she was or who Yeshua was like, it just, co- I was like, really, these, these are the love letters. I mean, she is just like seriously laying it down about the control mechanisms, about how her and Yeshua had a vision of what we're living now. They are preparing their lineage for exactly what we're going through. They're working with us now from non-physical to assist us. I mean, it just completely blew my mind. And it took me like a year and a half to write this book, which is way longer than it normally takes me. And it's not that long of a book just because I was so like freaked out. Like, are we really saying the crucifixion isn't real? (laughs) You sure you want me to tell that story? Are we going to talk about Pontius Pilate was actually like a really good guy just in the wrong job? Like, are we really going to? And she did. We talked about all of it. All right. I have so many questions. Um, And I, I, so I want to, Full disclosure, I'm a neophyte to the whole Magdalene conversation. Yeah. It just, I really got interested in it around like October, November, and I've started diving in and just magnetizing other women who are also carrying the fractal. So forgive me, um, I'm going to ask a lot of questions like a kindergartner. I love but, it. So when she first came to you, you said it was 2013? Yeah. Were you already attuned to the Magdalene story? Did you have a connection to Yeshua, to Christ? Like, did you grow up with Christianity? Like, walk us through that first time that she came through and how that was for you. Yeah. And I want to say, too, I am not like I haven't been studying all the Magdalene things. I went to South of France, but before I even knew about her. Um, so I everything that I know comes from my direct connection with Source and with her. So. I, I always, you know, tell folks like take anything I share through your own intuitive, because this is just my specific journey with her. So I was raised fundamentalist Christian, like hardcore, but it was a sect that is considered cultish, the Jehovah's Witnesses, because they don't believe in the Trinity and they don't believe in a lot of the traditional Christianity structures, but there is a heavy emphasis on Christ, um, even though they don't believe he's like God, like a lot of um, Christian sects do. So I had a very strong Christian background. My, in 2013, when the five ascended masters came to me, they came to me with their divine counterparts, which for Yeshua was Mary Magdalene. So my were they all male, all five of them were male. And then their female counterparts were like next to them. Okay. But I believe because of my sort of training in religion, that was my more, more comfortable scenario was Jesus coming to me first, because I knew like I had already been like, well aware of his um, presence on earth. Now, I did believe he had been murdered at that point. You know, I believed all those storylines. So at that point, I'm just like, okay, I had my spiritual awakening in 2008, realizing that everything I'd been taught wasn't true. So I'm at 2013, I'm well in the journey. I'm starting a heal an energy medicine healing practice. I'm in that practice. It's going really well. People are having these miracle healings. I don't know how it's happening. I'm just following, you know, guidance. Um, And then Yeshua, who I at that time called Jesus Christ, and we can talk about how the frequency of the word changes the energy that you call to you, because there is is a Jesus Christ that Christianity has created that frequency, and that's different than the Yeshua frequency. Okay, I do want to know the difference. Yeah. um, But I don't know if you want to circle back to that. Well, just, um, and you're, you're masterful at this, Danny, because all words hold vibration, right? And so when Jesus first started coming to me, that was my relationship with him. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. I know St. Francis of Assisi. Okay. Like, you know, these different souls were coming to me and I, they were familiar to me. 
However, um, over time, as I've worked with these energies, Jesus specifically, and really Mary Magdalene was educating me in 2020 about how the Jesus frequency is different than the Yeshua frequency. And the way that she describes it is that Jesus Christ is the frequency of the man who was murdered on a cross, who martyred, who, you know, sacrificed his life so that we could all continue here and our sins could be forgiven. It makes no sense. It, it, she she breaks down like why the whole crucifixion storyline doesn't even make, it's not even possible for, it's not even possible. Anyway, so, um, so then they started just educating me of like, Jesus Christ is the, when you're calling on Jesus Christ, you're calling on that frequency that Christianity has created, which is he was a martyr, he was murdered, he died for the sins, blah, blah, blah. Yeshua is the actual man who lived on earth, whose story got hijacked. So the Christian religion hijacked or co-opted his story and then turned it into the murderous scenario. Okay. In, in the book, Mary talks about what actually happened with Pontius Pilate and how things actually went, but the story got co-opted for the purposes of creating a religion that could then be a controlled, uh, a control structure. Got it. And who was behind creating that story? Like when we say the Christians, like what is, is it just like these religious people? Is there a secret society behind that? Yeah. What I've been shown is that there, they, how it's been um, shared with me is that there are uh, non-human energies that hijacked the earth plane through making promises to humans like, hey, you'll be eternally useful, you'll live forever. You know, if you if you let us to start merging with you and take over some of your bodies. And and so that these are the original energies. Maybe we would call them the Rockefellers, maybe we call them the Catholic Church, but there are energies behind the scenes that have created these organizations like Christianity and and governments and all of that. Got it. Okay. That totally resonates. And I'm awash in chills. Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's totally blown my mind because while I knew that organized religion wasn't the match for me back in my twenties, when I left the religion I was raised in, I had no concept of like how convoluted some of the storylines are. And the purpose for the storylines is very interesting um, as well. Like the whole martyr story for Jesus or Yeshua really, you know, infiltrates our, our um, matrix with this notion of martyrdom being like a holy thing. You sacrifice yourself. You actually like give up your life so that others can live. And it's, whoa. I mean, I've always been blown away. I grew up um, really with no religion, you know, um, and what a blessing. Yeah. It, it, it definitely feels like it. And I grew up in Los Angeles where like in the San Fernando Valley, most everyone was Jewish. So in my mind, it was like the, the cross religions were kind of all the same and I didn't understand them. But one thing that I always wondered was like, don't they have a better picture of Jesus, like from a happier moment? Like the PR Seriously. behind it, that it's always this like miserable crying man with a crown of thorns. I'm just like, that's just an odd choice to represent someone who allegedly performed all these miracles and was so compassionate. Like there are no other images we could call upon to represent him. Or wearing the murder weapon around their neck and putting it everywhere. It, when you really start to look at it with clear eyes, it's like, this is so distorted and so disgusting that we would like, he, he is an amazing soul. Like that's what we want to be left with. And that's what we want to be focused on his right. murder. Right. So is that the origin point of our whole like victimhood is awesome? Absolutely. A hundred percent. So that, and that creates this notion also for healers, you know, there's so much like martyrdom in the healing circles and victim consciousness and, and like, it's this holy thing. So that is a direct disconnect from source. So whatever the agenda has to do to keep you disconnected from source, they're going to do. And if we got to co-op Yeshua's life and make him into this, this fantasy story where he, you know, was murdered, you aren't connected to source and getting murdered. That is not happening. And so the frequencies don't align. So they really break down and Mary really breaks down in the book, like 
how this is just so disconnected from source, pure truth, pure love. So it actually the opposite of what religion claims to. And, and I also want to say, like, believe whatever you want to believe in, whatever organize, organized structure works for you. It's just we can, if we're willing, ask questions and see things in a new way and then have a new experience. A hundred percent. And it's like, I really appreciate that caveat because I feel like a lot of us can get so defensive of our indoctrination and we understand why, like it's scary to question. So scary. And it's like, you're not saying don't believe that or put that down. It's like, let's just have a conversation and look at it from a few different angles. You know, like I haven't thought about before, like people wearing the crucifix around their neck, like that is so creepy. Like it's just straight up creepy. Well, just imagine anyone you love and they're murdered and then you wear their murder weapon around your neck to honor them. And and I have people in my life who I love tremendously who have made their transition and I honor them in a variety of ways, but none of those ways are honoring the way that they were killed. Right, right. Or yeah. died, you know, so it's, it, it, we want to just get curious about it. And even in the book, Mary says, you can take this as fiction. You can take this as fact, take it however you want, but play with the possibility that something else happened here and play with the possibility that what happened between Mary and Yeshua and their live streams was even more magical than what we've been told. We know at this point, if it's in the mainstream, it's worth questioning. A thousand percent. And that's kind of my thing when it comes to a lot of the people who are having the conversations that we're having. And then there's still these brick walls around some belief systems. Like I'll often use the example of flat earth where I go to like, I have no idea what shape the earth is. I don't have any expertise in that realm. What I do know is that everything I've been taught is a lie. So knowing that it's all up for question, you know, and holding it really loosely. And it's interesting to see when people who've unraveled so much still get super triggered around some of these things. And again, like the way I'm wired is like, well, isn't that trigger? an indication that there might be something for you to look at. Like, we, I mean, just the fact that you're so riled up doesn't mean anything. Exactly. And, and I use that as my own benchmark. If I get really like, oh, you know, about something, I know, oh, you better look at this because you've got a strong belief that you're attached to also, you know, so how it, I'm not attached to my, people can believe whatever they want. I don't care. I'm sharing the guidance. It's for those who feel the resonance with it, who feel the resonance with the story. I've had so many people write me all, almost all women, but I've had so many people who have read the book, write me and say, I always knew in my heart that that story did not feel right. That something fell wrong. I had this woman in Romania write me recently and said, I had a completely different experience with Easter this year. I feel so free and so light. Thank you so much for bringing through this message. I had not, of course, anticipated that. You never know how your writing is going to land with anyone, but I was so like, that that's what, if it makes you feel more free, if you feel more free in your body, knowing that this didn't happen and actually that Yeshua lived a whole other life that's completely different than what you've been told, then that message, then it's for you. Otherwise, it's just some interesting information. You can do what you want with it or, you know, let it go altogether. But anytime we're attached to our beliefs, no, it has to be this way. We've got to pay attention because that's letting us know we've got wounding. We've got attachment to it. I definitely don't think that when I first left my religion that I could have gone, oh, he, you know, Jesus isn't the Jesus that I thought he wasn't murdered at 33. You know, he lived on a very long, full life. You know, I wasn't ready for that. But like you said, everything else, 2020 hit, it was like everything that they've told, you know, that I've been told is not true. It's a lie. So why wouldn't this also bear looking at? And and when I had concern about releasing this book, that's what Mary Magdalene said to me. People are ready. They recognize that they have been lied to across the board, religion, medical, government, all all the systems, all the major systems are lies. (laughs) Like That's it. So they're ready. People are more ready to now play with the crucifixion and go, maybe that's also another story that was not entirely true. Yeah. So I'm very excited to dive into the crucifixion, but I want to go really slow. So when, so you had five ascended masters and their female cohorts come to you, how did that change your life? Like what was, 
changed everything. So they immediately, so they asked if I was open to these five ascended masters with their divine counterparts working with me in my private practice as an energy medicine practitioner. I was in a very traditional practitioner structure. I was working out in my home healing space, had clients coming in. I said, yes, absolutely. So I get back from Brazil and they start coming into my sessions and people started having the most amazing experiences on the table. They're seeing colors, they're leaving and now they can see auras. They're having um, health issues completely resolved in like one session. We're having like amazing things are happening. So I'm like, I'm on this ride. I'm here for it. Let's keep going. And can you feel them like working through you? Are they talking to you or was it just kind of like something came was transferred when they first came through and now it's like happening all the time? They, they would come through specifically for my practice. So, so I set the boundaries that they could come through in my sessions. So I learned in 2012, um, dead people started coming to me and I didn't know how to manage that. So I had like a line of dead people out the door in my bedroom. I would wake up in the middle of the night and I'd be like, you guys are scaring the crap out of me. Like you can't, like you have to go. And I can't recall who, who it was that told me, but another healer said, you can set boundaries with them. So my boundary was if I have a client with a paid session and a departed loved one wants to come in with a message for them, then cool. So I set similar messages or boundaries, excuse me, with the Ascendant Masters. If it's for my sessions or group healing, go ahead. Yeah. And that worked. They were like, cool. oh, yeah. So this is a consent-based earth plane. So we we give consent to what we allow or not allow. So I didn't know that for a long time. So I was like in sort of a victim place around my gifts because I'd be like, oh, this thing is happening. I don't have, you know, control over it. But you do. You just have to say yes, no, or I'm going to set these boundaries. And once you do, they will absolutely follow whatever you say. So this is important. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I mean, I, I want to spend a little time on this as far as like what other boundaries or how else are, are you using consent once, once you got this lesson in this way? I mean, it, it's really been so huge for my life because as an empath and as a healer, I was taking on energy that I didn't need to. I was, you know, doing over responsibility syndrome. Um, so there's this, uh, practice that I, I share with others, it's called return to source. And anytime you feel energy is not yours to carry, or you suspect you could have energy in your field that is that you want to release, you can return it to source because it is a consent-based universe. So you can say, I will not carry this for my ancestors, for, you know, whoever, if, if you have psychic gifts and non-physical energies are coming to you, you get to decide if you want to engage with them or not. And my boundary is you, I will only engage with you if you're of the highest light. I'm not, I know there's all different, you know, there's all different dimensions of humans here. There's all different dimensions of non-physical beings. I'm not interested unless it's of the highest light. I don't, I don't want to deal with it. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that at first. So I had to have some not cool experiences to realize like, oh, I, I have consent. I get to say. So I put boundaries on how I would work with them. And then they would always ask me. Then in 2015, I started channeling messages from the Ascended Masters. And they asked me, are you open to doing this? I'm like, okay, well, you're not going to come through my body because I'm not cool with that. But if you want to communicate with me the messages and then I write them out, I'm cool with that. So we just, you know, I had to find what feels comfortable for me. You know, some some channels let them totally take over your their body. I'm not. I don't do that. I don't, that doesn't feel good to me. So I said no to that. So you, we get to decide how we want to work with these energies. And were you a rock star with boundaries before this happened? Or did this kind of help you really master the boundary game? That's right. Exactly. No, I had no boundaries. I was raised in an alcoholic home fundamentalist Christian. There was no, everybody was codependent as fuck. And like it was a, it was a mess. So I had no boundaries and this is how I learned because I, and, and of course my connection with the divine would bring me in these little teachers or, you know, these conversations that would come in and be like, oh, you know, you can say no to that. You don't, you don't have to say yes. I was like, what? Okay. You know, like it really helped me. And then of course that translated into my human relationships as well. Oh, I, I can express my needs and I can set boundaries and I can say no. And all these things that I didn't have any sort of guidance around in my life. So definitely my spiritual path has trained me as a human really, because I didn't have that 
that parenting from my human parents. So they just kept me alive. I had to learn everything else. And so my spiritual family, my spiritual team has really helped me with that hugely. Nice. So, um, I love that. And I'm, I'm taking notes because I'm so attuned to the exact languaging, you know, so even just, I will not carry this because yeah. sometimes I'm wondering, I'm like, what is the frequency? How yeah. do I talk to yeah. these disembodied beings? Yes. So, so I'm taking notes back here. I um, love that. Yeah. I just, you do not have my consent. I mean, even when I like sage my home, it's only the highest light is allowed in this space. Anything that is not of the highest light is not allowed in this space. So we get to affirm and declare what we, we are creators here on earth. That's, you know, the thing that control mechanisms don't want you to know. They want you to be a victim and think that you like are, are an amazing soul if you get murdered and then you'll be, you know, that's your legacy. Um, we're actually creators and we get to decide what we experience here on earth and how we interact with everything that comes to us. Yeah. So I'm curious to know how, so Magdalene came in with Yeshua in 2013 and then tell me how your relationship developed until it came time to write the new book. So they started coming into my practice. People started having just amazing healings. Um, so I would call them into my individual sessions and my group sessions. Then in 2015, um, they asked if I would want to channel. I said, okay, you know, here's how I would. And, and really they guided me. They were like, okay, open up, you know, your laptop, close your eyes. And then the messages, I could just hear it. I don't know how to explain it. It just started coming through me. Um, so that started happening. And then we wrote, um, three oracles that were just my channel, the channelings from these five ascended masters and their divine counterparts. I didn't work with the women at all. I could feel their energy there, but I was working just with the, the five ascended masters. And then we wrote the three oracles that was 2016, 2017, 2018. And then I, and then they had me write a daily guidebook in 2019, but it wasn't an Oracle. It was like an everyday, you get a, a message that will assist you for the day. And then 2020, Mary Magdalene came to me and said, now it changes. Now I'm leading your spiritual team. We're going to work together. You and I, I had never channeled just one energy before. It had always been the collective. So that was new for me and really just such a blessing. I, I think I was ready for that divine feminine energy to come in and interact with her just one-on-one. -on -one. And since releasing the book, my connection with the goddesses of the highest light and all those who have walked before us and become divine human and those who are goddesses of the light from other dimensions of consciousness. It's just like, it's like my family expanded. It's like my understanding of the feminine expanded. It's, it's hard to put into words how it's all unfolded, but it's, it's just been incredibly magical, exactly what I needed to experience. And I'm, I'm grateful for whoever else resonates and also feels more free. We want you to, we want you to be free and liberated. Yeah. So what is Mary Magdalene's energy like? Like, what are some of the qualities and what, like, who was she? What did she do? Like, how do we have the story wrong? Yeah. So, you know, Mary Magdalene is like in the Christianity, we're told, so this is what I was indoctrinated with, that she was a prostitute. Right. Because women aren't good for anything other than sex anyway. So let's talk about that. Right. And, and Mary calls that out. You know, this over-sexualization of any holy women is just unnecessary. So, was she a prostitute? No, she was not a prostitute. No, she, she was a healer. She was, she was Yeshua's equal. She was a healer and a guide, and she assisted him just as much as he assisted her. So in the new age, there's a story that she was a sexual priestess, which is kind of a bump up from prostitute, right? They're like, yeah, she had a lot of sex, but she was, you know, using it to heal people. And now everyone's a priestess. And so that's cool. That's elevating the story. But in truth, she was a healer. She was a healer of the light and she understood the frequency of sex and utilized sex, sex for healing. But that was with her beloved. That was not something she was just doing with anyone or um, it wasn't even her primary specialty in, in the work that she did. So she sort of, you know, laughs a little bit about that, but she gets fierce about calling out 
that there is this over-sexualization of women and this notion that if a woman is, you know, holy or worthy, that somehow she's also like sex is involved in that for her. And, 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 and Mary really wants us to start to think about ourselves a little more um, expansively and holistically. And that sexual energy is amazing, creative energy. And it is incredible to experience that with a beloved. And that has nothing to do with who she was or her primary work. Um, so I would say what her energy feels like is she's a badass. She I, And I wasn't necessarily expecting that. I think I was probably expecting more like, oh, 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 you know, and she like can be that, but she's also like very real and fierce and all about empowering um, women and men, empowering the feminine. She's all about us returning to truth and really freeing ourselves. Really, it is all about liberating ourselves, which is why 2020 happened and why we're in this arc that we're in, because we really are here. I believe we're in this narrative to free ourselves from all these stories and all this programming and everything that tells us that we're less than. Because even the feminine thought she was getting her power back by saying, oh, Mary Magdalene wasn't a prostitute. She was a sexual healer. She was a sexual priestess, you know, like, okay, but no, like, let's go, let's go higher into source and, and really Mary Magdalene and Yesha were humans that walk the earth just like us. Mm -hmm. And they were around control structures that were attempting to manipulate their storylines and manipulate them. And they tried to fight that. And she talks about, you know, they tried to fight that. That's why he was in the temples in Jerusalem, throwing shit around and like calling it out. But that didn't work. So they had to find another way. And then she shares what their other way was. What's their other way? (laughs) You have to read the book to find out. (laughs) But essentially, their other way is to do so led by source to do what, you know, I am hopefully on the path of my life and doing and what I encourage others to do, which is to really go deeper within and let yourself be led by your unique and specific relationship with source and with the divine. Mm, I love that. Was I, I, I was, I had my question popped up, but then I just noticed the like grid lines in the image behind you. And I got a little, I'm like, is that the matrix? What am I being pulled into? Was Jesus crucified? Did they, I, so I've heard stories that they had kids. Yes. Um, And then one of the stories I heard is that she escaped to France with the kids after he was murdered, but how did it really go down? Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's a, a, a better storyline that, that's, I would call it like a fourth dimensional storyline. And what I've been shown is that they worked a deal with the specific hierarchy that was in charge at that time, because things were just starting to ramp up for what we're dealing with now. Okay. And they worked a deal and Yeshua was not killed. It was, it was a false flag, if you will. And they talk about how um, that this is very common in the mainstream that we're told about these big explosive murders and events, but they never happen. And then she details how the stories get perpetuated and it's really not that hard. And especially wasn't hard 2000 years ago to perpetuate a story that isn't true and that they actually both went to Southern France together and lived their life there with their children and they created a family and. Yeah, it's I just got another chill when you said that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I, I have it, too. It's like so amazing because we were told something so totally different. And and when she was sharing the, the story with me, I was like, of course, like, how did I not like get this before? I wasn't really questioning the crucifixion because I left Christianity, so I didn't really care, you know, but she brought it in and said, you know, this is important because you need to see that this is another storyline that was mass created to control a population and to funnel specific agendas, right? If we look at Christianity, there's specific agendas that get funneled into that matrix. So you can be a Christian and also know that, oh, this story may not be the, the full true story. And I don't have to go, I don't have to take every action that the Christian matrix tells me to take. I can individuate within that matrix. Yeah. And, and people can also like, it's, it's so like, um, all or nothing versus like, these yes, resonate with me and I can leave the other ones behind. That's right. 
What agendas do you see running through Christianity? I, I specifically see that the, the Christian matrix has gotten um, high, hijacked by the Republican, you know, agenda. And I think any agendas that we find ourselves just automatically believing because we're like for me, when I left Christianity, then I was a liberal, you know, then I was like, oh, so I guess I'm a liberal. I guess I'm a I'm a Democrat. I guess that's, you know, what I'm what I am now. I didn't question, wait, mm-hmm. do I really resonate with these beliefs? Because there's certain things that that are still linked to Christianity that I fully resonate with. And there are certain things linked to other belief systems that I resonate with. Like we're really being invited at this time to find what is most harmonious with our frequency, with our body and honor that and know that that can change. I think that's so important too, because we can get so rigid. No, I believe this and I'm going to believe this forevermore. You know, maybe some of those things you will, but maybe you won't. Right. And to just like loosen up the grip at, to, to more present moment of like, this is resonating now. Yes. Scaling ourselves to the possibility that it can shift. Yes, exactly. So one of the things that I'm attuned to, and I'm not claiming that I have this right, um, but when I started diving into my research on the secret societies, it seems like the Knights Templar were like the OG yes. that everyone else popped out of. And that the Knights Templar had this documentation that that showed that Mary Magdalene and Jesus were married and had kids. And like that, that scroll was such a big deal. And it created this rift with the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church was like, well, that'll bring down our whole shame. Right. And that's why the Crusades happened was like right. to get rid of the Templars. So then I look at what's happening now and how so many people who were at one point speaking sanity or seem to be clued into the ruse all of a sudden are like super Christian, hate abortion. And I'm like, it seems like this funneling into Christianity. And again, like, no, I'm not criticizing Christianity at all, but it's like, it's a, it's a script, it's a pattern that I'm seeing where people who didn't buy the narrative now are conservative Republicans, now are Christian. And I'm like, it just feels like another op. It absolutely is. And I'm so happy we're talking about this because I've seen this happen to a few people as well. And they actually like feel compelled to make a statement <laughs> to announce <laughs> that they are now this thing. Right. Yeah. And I find it very interesting. So I've actually sent some emails back to some people like there's an artist that I love and she she made some beautiful paintings that I have of Mary and Yeshua I was like very into getting, you know, that's the other thing I haven't talked about yet. Mary's book talks about her love story with Yeshua, which is incredibly beautiful and so inspiring and like full body chills reading the scenes where they met when they got married, like all the things so beautiful. So there is all of that warm and fuzzy, yummy stuff there, too. But I saw that this artist artist that I really loved, and she was definitely in the, you know, Mary Magdalene and Yeshua thing. She started questioning the narrative. Now she's a Christian. Now, now she doesn't believe in intuition or energy work or that Mary and Yeshua were even together. She now knows that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And I, I was like, this is so curious. So I messaged her with absolute love and desire to understand can you please tell me about your experience? I would love to hear about, like, did she have some kind of ecstatic experience where Jesus came to her and told her this? But if an energy is coming to you and calling himself Jesus Christ, you might want to be, I mean, you might want to be careful because it's probably the Christ that was created by the church because we create things here on earth. And so we created this, oh, this guy, but he's not a real energy. It's not a real person. It's not a real human that walked the path. If you want to talk to the real dude, you call on Yeshua Mm -hmm. and he'll give you, he'll give you the, the real deeds. So I did ask her and she did bless her, wrote me back very lovingly again to just explain to me that she just had, she went through a major death in her life. And I think it triggered a lot of you know, her, one of her parents died. So what I'm seeing as a metaphysical psychologist is one of her parents died and she was very close with this parent and she is looking for grounding. She's looking for mommy and daddy. She's looking for that parental figure that is going to save her. And Christianity definitely promises that. And definitely gives you that, you know, Jesus is God and that is your spiritual father and he's going to take care of you. 
And there's something really attractive for people who have, who, who want to walk that path. I would say do more inner child work. I would say reparent yourself fully and you won't be looking to any religion or any energy or any entity to parent you. You won't be looking to your spouse to do it either. You know, you will actually reparent yourself and you won't need mommy or daddy from outside forces. Um, But I have been seeing this as a trend and it is very interesting. And it's also the irony is so rich because they're buying the whole Christianity thing because they don't believe that narrative. But aren't we supposed to critically think and go, wait a second, like there's some problems with Christianity that, that aren't really working. Oh, it's a mind control program too, you know? And, and my point to the woman that I reached out to was like, I already did 24 years in a Christian religion. I know what it's like to think that God is like this old guy that sits on a throne and, you know, that there's going to be a judgment day. I already know what that feels like. So tell me, had you, I wanted to know, had she had that experience before? Because maybe her soul just needs to have the religion experience. Maybe they just need to have that kind of control mechanism that they dance with until they wake, awaken from that. And she had not been a Christian before. So what I am assessing as a metaphysical psychologist watching and a mystic and watching all this happen is I just already did the religion thing. They haven't done the religion thing yet. And the, and their soul, for whatever reason, needs to do the religion thing. I'm not saying every soul needs to, but if they're drawn to do that, there's something in that they haven't healed at a soul level that needs to be healed. And so they're going into that experience so that they can heal whatever that is. So that's my take on it because I found it very interesting and ironic because they're like, no control structures. And we're like, out of you know, we can see clearly but I'm going to go join this other side. I appreciate your, you know, your support and your openness and, and, um, you know, the honoring of like their soul needs this experience where I question it is the need to announce it, which is kind of always for me, the red flag of like, well, why do you need everyone to know? You know, like I'm thinking of one of my favorite podcasters and he was on a podcast and he did this big grand announcement. And it's like, that's great that you found Jesus and he's your main dude, even though you're, you know, in your late fifties, but why do we have to know about it? You know, and for me, it's kind of the same thing as like, you know, people who got the jab or people who wear the face muzzles in the car. It's like, if there's if it's a virtue signaling thing, then I question how grounded it is. And it's also, you know, this coming back to some authority is going to save us, which for me is like the through line of all the issues. I'm seeing it with the RFK thing. And it's not to say RFK isn't a man of integrity. I don't know. I don't know him. It's not to say he didn't write a great book and hasn't done great work. Um, but again, like to put all our eggs in this, like, well, this old white man is going to save us. Uh, I'm excited for people to question that more. Yeah, me too, because it's never worked. So I don't know why we keep trying it. And I think it's really brilliant of the artificial matrix, uh, because how do we get people who have broken free back in? How do we get them back in? Oh, RFK is running for president. Put your trust in that, this system again. Oh, sign up to vote because you know what signing up to vote does. Do you know all the like cords that enter your field with the with the government when you do that, like, and the same, the virtue signaling with the announcing of the Christianity is a fundamental Christian teaching that I was a part of, which is you're ministering, you're ministering nonstop 24 seven for Jesus. So when they're making those announcements, they're doing that because that is what the church tells you to do. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's how you get more followers for Christ. You know, so I see right through that because I was part of those organizations. So I know how that works. Um, but it's interesting to me that the folks who are like getting wrapped up in the government, and because I had someone, again, had someone who had broken free who said to me, now, but what do you think about Marianne Williamson and RFK? And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? I know. I know. Just and I'm, I'm trying my hardest to keep an open mind. Um, And I'd reach out to a couple of journalists because I have seen some things that are questionable in other realms. He's great. He has been great in terms of medical freedom. He's shifted his position on certain things in a way that has me questioning. And there are some other things, you know, like um, places where he's profiting and things that he said that are concerning for me. And I've brought it up with two journalists 
and just and it was just like hey what but what do you think about these things and both of them said i don't know anything about those things and i don't care and for me i'm like you're a journalist you don't know about them and you also don't care that's weird now now we're going into like you're you're in a cult and you can't question like you could you know it's like i haven't looked into these things let me do some digging and figure out but it's odd to me to hear journalists say i don't care and i won't look at these things because they want they want a savior i mean that's that's really like everyone is hoping the thing is if you enter the political system and anyone who does they're compromised because they will have to. So for me, all it is is showing me who's real. I loved Marianne Williamson until she ran for president. And I was like, oh, damn, her too. You know, like, because there's no chance that they are entering that system and they are not selling their soul at some level. There's just no way. And how do I know this? Because I talked to source, you know? So if you don't know it, go sit in meditation every day. I meditate every day since 2008. Meditate every day and you'll have the answer to everything <laughs> you need to know. Like, seriously, it for me is just more telling about we thought they were one thing and they are another. And, oh, that's good clarifying to know. Yeah. Not that they're bad people with a bad agenda. There's just no way that the liberation is going to come from the existing systems. That, that's not going to happen. So we should stop looking into it because we're just wasting time. And we're abdicating our power and our creativity since it is a co-creative reality. And yes. that's you know, what's frustrating for me, it's like, well, why don't we just empower ourselves and create a new game? Like, and the, and we, we keep stalling the more that we take these, the bait of these distractions. That's right. That's right. So when you're talking to source directly, what's source like, what's this person, like oh, yeah. personality vibe, you know, yeah. like, yeah. Describe that because I read the right use of will books and I'm like, this is G daddy himself. Like I freaked <laughs> out just to read someone else's channelings yes what tell me the name again I don't, i'm not familiar i want to write it um, down so right use of will is the first in a series of book called the books called the right use of will series channeled by cn derohan okay. in the 80s Ooh. and um they're about like it's it's all like kind of the original fragmentation the original neuroses the original kind yeah. of psycho-emotional bullshit that god the mother, the father of all went through that we have inherited and it's our task to heal in ourselves. So it's really interesting, you know, in terms of like as above, so below to hear yes. like, oh, you guys fucked it up. And that's why we're, that's why we're like, <laughs> got it. <laughs> Thanks for that clarity. Yeah. yeah. So because I was so indoctrinated with God as the father, um, I couldn't, I just couldn't go there. It took me a, a while to be able to go there, but how it's been, um, shared with me is that there is a mother, father, God, like spiritual parents, we were created in their likeness, but they're just, they're just ascended beings. They're not like the OG, like original highest energy. So what I've been shown is the highest frequency energy is source, which I experience as a feminine energy. And I also experience that energy as like the sun. Um, so there is this radiance and I know like logically that should be a masculine and feminine energy or what I might call that, but I experience source as feminine energy. So that's beyond my logic. That's just how I experience her. Um, and so it is this huge radiance, um, that just beams down upon me and all that call upon her. And, um, it's just like, you just know things once you connect with that frequency, you just know. So what I encourage people to do is, you know, meditate every day, like build that up in your, in, um, build up that frequency in your field. And when you feel ready and maybe you do it every day, just ask to connect to source and then ask, you know, was Jesus crucified was, you know, whatever you want to know is, is RFK meant to be present? Is that going to help our reality? You know, like, because I have been shown that the earth is not what we think it is. It's not you know, I, I definitely had a very idealistic viewpoint about earth. And like, I was on that, like Obama train and like, we're evolving consciousness and like everything's getting better. And so 2016 was like a huge, for me as a healer of awakening of like, oh, they, they'd be lying to us <laughs> just about everything. And then I asked my connection with my spiritual team, I really want to know what's really going on here. And they said, are you sure? And I said, I do. 
I said, okay, get ready. And then it was just like, none of it's real. It's all illusion. <laughs> like the earth is, you know, the ancient Egyptians thought that we were in the underworld and I'm not going to say we're not, this can be heaven or hell here on earth, but it certainly is not like maybe the place that I more like um, idealistically or naively thought it was. And is that inherent to what earth is, or is that speaking to some sort of co-opting? It's the co-opting. Yeah. It's not the original intention of the earth. Yeah. And is part of what's going on right now to liberate us from this co-opting and exactly allow us to be on earth as it was meant to be. Exactly right. That's what I've been shown. And so the the focus for me has been how do we create since 2020, how do we create the golden age now? Or I could say that differently, how to create your own personal heaven on earth in your life. And that if each individual made that their primary focus, that we would have a collective experience far greater. But people keep getting pulled out, right? Like who's running for president or I'm a Christian now, or I'm this, or I'm that, or I'm this checkbox, you know, I'm this this acronym, you know, you'd be far better served. Just create your own personal heaven on earth. That's how we do it. Just, just do that. Okay. You said it twice and I got chills twice and I'm getting more chills during this conversation than I've gotten during a podcast conversation as of yet. I'm feeling it too. Um, And this is a lesson that I'm learning so specifically right now is how, um, not only like my personal work is the most important thing and it's been a really big personal shift for me since i finished my new book in november was um thank you that um the ambition that has driven me for most of my adult life seems to be gone and all i'm really focused on is my own healing in this very different way than i have been And I'm also realizing how distraction is really one of their primary tools in terms of like, you know, all the energy that has gone into various freedom movements that is now being co-opted into RFK and seeing everyone talk about that. And something happened over the past few days where I'd mentioned in a private telegram group that um, a journalist who I follow, who I think does amazing work, um, might be uh, animated by the dark side because of a lot of different reasons. And since sharing that in a private telegram group with 30 people in it, um, someone took a screenshot and sent it to this journalist who has since recorded an hour long video, just taking me down, you know, on my website, making fun of my bio, like making fun of everything. And then a a cohort of hers has done the same. And I like, it doesn't have any traction for me, but I'm just noticing, I'm like, this is confirmation of my theory about the dark side, because I'm sure she has far more interesting and important research to do, you know, and I see it happen to me, so I'm not impervious at all, but seeing how just pulling our attention to these other places is such an easy way to keep us off of our path. Thanks so much for tuning in to this latest episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. I am reminding slash thanking you to and for... Clicking that subscribe button for liking, for sharing, for commenting, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As you are receiving any value from my podcast, as you dig it, as you listen regularly, consider supporting me on Patreon and or Locals, where for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of my second half podcast interviews as well as oodles of bonus content. Your support really goes a long way in supporting me as a journalist and an independent content creator navigate her way through a really crunchy time in terms of free speech. And as you are wanting to learn more about my work in the world, my books, my products, my quantum languaging, coaching, and consulting, you can find me at dannycats.com as well as quantumlanguaging.com. And if you're not down with a membership patronage platform and want to send me one-time donation, 
You can use the Bitcoin link if it actually appears on your podcast listening platform. You could also send me a one-time donation by way of PayPal at dannycats at pm.me or by way of Venmo where my username is Sadie Bloom. Again, your support means the world and makes a massive, massive difference when it comes to continuing to share this work with the world. Thank you for sharing your sacred attention with me. Thank you for remembering that you are omniscopic amazingness and for having a rockin' day. See you next time, superstars.